The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back, boys and girls, to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across me is the one, the only, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. Hi, Tam. Hi. How you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing better. Cool, cool. Our intern went to his room. Never mind. <laughs> I know. Shitty, huh? I know. I yeah. should text him and... Oh, well. So, you gave me an interesting one, because yeah. I thought our only truck stop killer was Keith Jesperson. No, he was never known as a truck stop killer. He should have been. Maybe Same. he should have been. Yeah. I'm a killer at a he truck stop. He was a lot lizard killer. <laughs> Although uh, that doesn't sound as catchy as happy face, does it? No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. let's get on with this Robert this, Rudd's guy. This one is actually very, very bizarre case as well. Um, It all started with a photograph. The photograph was a girl who was obviously frightened as if she was scared of the person taking the picture, right? It was maybe she was even startled. Uh I mean back then it's like remember the manual cameras that you would click, you'd flip it to wind it, click, wind, you know what I mean? That sound. Are you following me here? I am. Okay, because I didn't know if you were following me or not because I got silence. You know, because not like today where you have the digital camera where you click and you just go. It's click and you have to wind it yourself. I'm pretty sure that that was going on. I mean, that that even made it even worse because there was a look of fear in this woman's eyes. I've seen the picture. And it's like she had an impulse to run. But where could she go? She was trapped. It's obvious she was wearing heels and he would probably, ca- the person could probably catch her. The floors of the barn would probably, you know, trip her up in her heels and she'd be more bruised and bloody and all that other stuff. I feel her, man. That happens to me when I'm wearing my heels. Yeah, I know, huh? Um, it was, I mean, it's obvious this girl was suffering some kind of trauma. Um, But she couldn't run. All she could do was raise her hands and shield herself from the flash. And with each snap of the picture, he moved closer, knowing he had her cornered. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I know. The girl in the photograph was Regina Walters. And the photographer, the last man to see her alive, was Robert Ben Rhodes. (laughs) Now, today I'm going to talk, I mean, I'm going to talk about this in a you know, in a series of things, but that's how this, I mean, this is actually what drew me to this is because I was researching and I looked up, I just did images, right? For Robert Ben Rhodes. Right. And this was the first one that popped up. It was a girl and she was like standing there and you could see like she was trying to shield herself from something and she was scared. So it's like, so we have another murderer who photographs his exploits, right? Right. Just like the one we did about uh, Barella. Yeah. Bradella. Bradella. But not much is known about Regina Walters, except that she was a 14-year-old runaway from Pasadena, Texas. Now, if you search the internet with her for her name, um, a couple of photographs are, will come up. But what happened to her is talked about, and they talk about her killer, of course, but not much else about her. Um, however, on an episode of FBI Files... 
you there's actually an episode on FBI files that actually does talk about her a little more and what happened to her. She was the daughter of divorced parents. She lived with her father, but at the time she disappeared. She was staying at her mother's house in Pasadena. She was known to run away from home every once in a while, but then she was also known, it was also known that she would eventually come back. You know, she was 14 years old, probably going through that teenage, female teenage angst, you know, nobody understands me kind of thing. I have a pimple. Why don't you understand why I'm I'm going crazy right now. Right, right. No, I dig. I'm picking up what yeah, you're laying down. I mean, you down. were never a teenage girl, but I was. No, but uh, after, well, <laughs> I've known a lot of teenage girls. Oh, my God. I'm not saying recently. What the fuck? That is, I mean, like I said, so she was known to run away occasionally, but then she'd come back until she didn't. Her mother actually waited a couple of days, and then when she didn't come home, she reported her daughter missing to the police and she also took it upon herself to go around town and post flyers right well that paid off because five days after regina disappeared a call she received a call that said they saw regina with a couple of guys by the name of ricky and billy she also heard of an apartment where she was last seen and she gave the address to the police the apartment belonged to a guy by the name of billy gibbs now, the police went to that place and waited for him to get home, but when he finally did, they were able to nab him and question him. Billy told police he hadn't seen his friend Ricky or his girlfriend Regina in days. He told them they decided to run off together, and they took hitchhiking to do so. And this is where everything began. Billy was correct about his friends. They did decide to go out of town. They did decide to hitchhike with a thumb in the air and optimism. They decided, you know what, let's hitchhike across the U.S. Not a big deal. Back then, people did that shit. What year was this? Um, Hang on, I just had it in my, I have the year. This hitchhiking was big in like the 70s and the 80s. It was also big in the 90s. It was? Yes, sir. I thought that was more of the 60s, 70s, 80s, something like that. hitchhikers were actually very common in the 90s, too. But I will tell you the dates. Give me a minute here. I don't want to scroll back. I don't want to scroll down and lose my place. So. I picked up a hitchhiker once, and uh, the hitchhiker looked at me and said, Man, aren't you afraid that I'm a serial killer? So the chances of two serial killers being in a truck at the same time is astronomical. You're so dumb. This span of crime is 75 to 90. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's got quite the run on him. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, let's say. And it wasn't long before they were picked up in Pasadena. A truck driver pulled over to the side of the road and said, hey, want a ride? And they said, yeah, we do. Little did they know that they climbed into the vicious trap of a serial killer. The man who picked them up was, an over, was a long-haul trucker by the name of Robert Ben Rhodes. Now, Rhodes was a serial killer. He had, already, he had already been doing it for quite a while. He was a professional serial killer. His M.O., are you ready? He was known to cruise through the highways looking for victims, most of them hitchhikers, as he drove his semi across country. He converted his semi into a rolling S&M torture chamber. What the? Really? Yes. He picked them up playing the nice guy, and when they let their guard down, he striked. None of the people he picked up stood a chance. Police assume he killed Ricky Lee immediately because he was a man and disposed of the body in a remote place in 
Mississippi. He was just in the way because you know what? I don't. I'm not into dudes, but I had to pick you up to pick her up. So I'm getting rid of you, and she, of course, is going to suffer. Right? Kind of reminds me of a weird version of Dust in the Wind. Just in the way, Ricky was just in the way. <laughs> His prize was Regina. Robert Rhodes kept her as a prisoner in his big rig in the back of his truck cab, in like the sleeper area. It was in the truck cab he did things that are horrible and terrible. I mean, not horrible and terrible, that are truly terrible to young Regina. Like now, making her I listen to... Think the, I didn't think the sleeper part of a truck cab was that big. It depends. Like some of them are just standard, like, you know, 60 Twin? inches. But there's other ones that can be, that I've seen that are custom made, that are like condos oh really like they're big big oh i was gonna say i did not think a sleeper was that big i thought it was a twin bed and that's all no some most are but some are custom made oh okay he over a period of several days he literally he raped her tortured her shaved off her pubic hair because back then women didn't do that and even pissed pissed pierced her genitalia with fish hooks (laughs) Jesus Christ, what an asshole. Yeah, he held on to her for weeks until the day he took her to an abandoned farmhouse near Chester, Illinois. After he cut off her long, dark hair with a razor, he forced her to wear heels and a black dress and took several photos of her. After he had his photo shoot from hell, he choked her with bailing wire and left her body there in the abandoned barn. Her remains were found in September of 1990. Now, Robert Ben Rose even proceeded to call her father anonymously from a payphone and taunted him, telling him what he had done to his daughter. Gee, this guy's a dickhead, yeah. man. Like, what and year, he's still alive. What year was this that he did it, though? Um, like, Re- Regina, not the whole span right, of crimes. No, 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 I know. Give me a second. I will tell you. God, man. This guy's a fucking piece of work. Like, God. Well, at least it's not. Well, she's still a child. She's only fourteen. Uh, September. Uh, no, she was missing in February of nineteen ninety, and she was found in September. Jesus, yeah, she's yeah. only fourteen. That's exactly. That's beyond fucked up, old. man. Yeah. Now it wasn't until police found her body and informed the family that they even put two and two together that the phone call were just a sick prank. That the phone calls weren't just some sick prank. Now, Regina Walters was forever, will forever be known as, quote, the girl in the photograph. If you check out the photos online, I mean, literally, search his name or search her name. These photos are prevalent. They're chilling. They're scary. Telling a tale of horror and dread. Now, we talked about the photos that Alcala had and how some of them, the children looked like they were scared. Right. Right. And this one, you saw the fear in her eyes. You could feel her fear. Um, they paint a picture of what her last moments were like. The look in her eyes, the position of her body, you can tell she was scared for her life. And rightfully so. The sad part is, is she is one of many women and girls who wound up dead out there on the freeways, right? The song Riders on the Storm jumps, you know, it kind of goes through your head at this point. And... When you think about the case of Robert Ben Rhodes and killers like him, men out there on highways, moving through the hills and prairies, predators searching for prey, 
all of them literally unknown, basically. Well, I've said it before, though, that, you know, the, the perfect vessel for a serial killer is being mobile. Yes. Truck drivers being one of them. Well, uh, up until now, because now most, most companies have cameras in their trucks um, for insurance purposes. Exactly. But, um, you know, back before GPS, but mm-hmm. even, even with GPS in, in, in your truck, how are they, you know, they're, they're not going to track you in particular. There's 100,000 drivers right. out there. And as long as you're driving on your normal route. Yeah. And you can make a stop to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And it's not out of the ordinary. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to get away with it as a truck driver or as a traveling salesman or, uh, hell, a traveling evangelist. Right. You know, as long as you're moving. Um, pretty, pretty easy. Right. Well, it, I mean, and we talked about this before, that law enforcement knows that there is, I guess, a, an epidemic out there of, you know, killers on the road. Right? Right. In 2004, they actually launched the Highway Serial Killer Initiative. Right? And... Because an analysis from the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigators detected a pattern, specifically when it came to the bodies of murdered women dumped along the I-40 corridor in Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, and Mississippi. That's I-40. I did say I-40, didn't I? You stumbled a little bit. I just want to make oh, clear. I it's all right. Say, I fine. thought I said I-40. But you did. You, said, I mm-hmm. you went, I-40. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you might want to tell me it's I apologize. I-40. Now, that is when they actually launched the Highway Serial Killer Initiative. That was so that you could raise awareness among law enforcement agencies and the public about their findings. And it's also helped them track down a couple serial killers. Right? So the FBI actually suspects that serial killers working as long-haul drivers are responsible for the murders of hundreds of hitchhikers, motorists, stranded motorists, and prostitutes. I would think if you look at all of North America, uh, the U.S. and Canada. Oh, yeah. Because you have the Highway of Tears up there. Oh, yeah. I would honestly venture to say that people that are that are very mobile, like mm-hmm. like truck drivers and transporters, I would say that that number would be into the thousands. Because, like up in Canada, when you're talking about, you know, go, any of the major highways. Because you have, like, Highway 1 you have Highway 2. Right. Um, I've been on to uh, getting into Calgary. <clears throat> um, there's long stretches where seriously, there's not shit out there. There's small towns in between them, right? But like, um, when I was still married to the Canadian, uh, and like, would, she who shall not be named, exactly, <laughs> Voldemort. But like, when, as soon as I crossed the border, there's a small town that's in BC, and I can't remember its name. But I, I stopped there. It was the middle of the night, and I want to take a piss. Mm-hmm. So I pull over the side of the road, take a leak, and it's only like 9 o'clock at night, but it's pitch black. There's one light on in a house. Wow. That I could see. Everything else, pitch dark. Wow. And it was that way throughout like the stretches of miles and miles and miles of absolutely nothing. So, yeah, it'd be pretty damn easy to, well, yeah. to be up there. And that that wasn't even on three. That was uh, as soon as you cross over from uh, Idaho uh-huh. into into BC, kind of heading up towards like Canloops and uh, and things like that, and uh, uh, Cranston right area, which is straight up. Uh, God, I can't remember right. the damn highway name. But um, you get out on two, 
once you, uh, you know, leave like that, uh, the I think it's Cranston is where I had to catch it, but I can't remember. Um, and you start heading east, dude, there's only jack and shit out there. Well, I noticed that going from Joplin to Tulsa. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have that toll highway, and there is nothing. Yeah, there's only two things nothing. out there. There's only two things out there. Jack, Jack and, and shit. shit. Jack left town. <laughs> so, the, so the only thing left now is shit. <laughs> yeah, it was like nothing. But here, Long stretch of highway. And it's all flat. Well, And here's the other thing, though, is as you're driving up there, you see a lot of provincial parks. And if you don't know what a province is, a province is a city. Yes. Um, or a county, rather. Um, and uh, it's just like a county down here. But in the... So you got to figure if you're traveling up there and let's say that it's the middle of the night and it's not like a touristy season. So it's not like summer or anything like that. It would be really freaking easy to pull off. Oh, yeah. Dispose of a body. Get back in your vehicle. And, and drive away. And drive away. And no one is going to be the wiser. Yeah. Nobody's going to see you do it. None. Yeah, so that, that's why I said traveling people like truck drivers, I think, make up a high percentage. And I think that the numbers that they're calculating would be into the into the thousands, if not even yeah. more. There's probably at least a few thousand bodies that they haven't even, ha- haven't even come across yet. Yeah. Because there's so much empty space. Yeah. No, anyway. it's, it's horrible to me. I mean, and the sad part is, is the FBI has a database that they maintain religiously that is growing. And... It includes more than five information on more than 500 female crime victims. Most of them were killed and their bodies were discarded at truck stops, motels, or other locations along U.S. truck routes. Mm -hmm. Now, this database also has information on tons of truck drivers who've been charged with murder or rapes committed near highways, major highways, and also names of those who are suspected in these cases. In other cases, right? Right, right. Now, here we go. Most truck drivers, by and large, are hardworking Americans. I mean, you work for the trucking industry. Yes. A lot of my family has worked with trucking industry. We have friends who work in the trucking industry. I was raising this. I was raising the trucking yeah. industry. Yeah. You know. So it's like you know that it's a hardworking job. It's a, it, it, it's a hard life. I mean, I'm pretty. But lucky. it's also. A man, it's something mandatory to keep our economy going. Right, right. And I'm, so, I'm pretty lucky because, like, the, the, the trucking gig pretty well lets me do whatever the fuck I want. I work when I want. I don't work when I want. Um, I kind of do whatever the hell I want, by and large. But mostly, that it, this industry is not like that. Because we have an understanding, though, that they understand I run my own business. Right. Um, but most of the time, you're right. Freaking, it's it, it's a hard life. It's a hard job, especially if you're an over-the-road truck driver. Right. You're away from your home. You're away from your family. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we as, I mean, we as, you know, I'll just say lay people, <laughs> don't really understand it. But our lives, our livelihood depends on truck drivers. You know, we wouldn't be able to get the food we buy at the store without a truck driver. That's we correct. wouldn't be able to do anything without a truck driver. So being a truck driver also gives a person a certain amount of freedoms, right? They have the open road. Most of them live in their cabs day in and day out, sometimes three, four days a week. And they have basically their house traveling with them in the in the sleeper cabs, right? Correct. Okay. So we have to honestly say people who are in the truck driving industry, for the most part, are good, honest, hardworking people. And I have a lot of respect for them. 
However, I mean, even today, this truck driver wanted to get over in my lane. So I backed off and I flashed my lights at him so he could get over, right? Because that's what I do because that's what my grandpa taught me. And it was really weird because I go, maybe that's his, because I've, I've only seen it happen once or twice. But as soon as he got over, he tapped his brakes twice. Yep. And so, and it's like, that's their way of saying thank you. He wasn't tapping his brakes. You have a you have a kill switch in there for your back lights. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's the, the, those are thank you lights. Oh, okay, because it was just twice. So. Yep, that's a thank you light. Yeah, so I was like, oh, he said thank you. So anyways, but then it's like I got around him when we got through the tunnel, and he wanted to get over right as I was beside him. I go, dude, I can't back off now. I'm sorry. Just let me go. <laughs> you can pull in behind me. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's an honorable job. It It's a fair job for men who, you know what I mean? And women. There's yeah, no, there's there are truck women drivers. out there, too. However, it is also one of the only professions that serial killers can thrive in. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. I mean, we have talked to one of the most prolific truck drive serial killers. Um, Let's see. But we've also seen that serial killers can have any profession, even police officers, right? So let's not say that... All serial killers are truck drivers, or all truck drivers are serial killers. We did that uh, that that cop that was out of Russia, that uh, was called he was called a Tuesday morning killer or something like that, uh, because he would dispose of his bodies and then on Tuesday mornings people would end up finding him. Oh, um, I think that was while I was away when it, I was it, out. I think it was on I, that. I lead. can't remember his name. But uh, he was part of the same police force that would go out and find the damn bodies. Well, remember when we covered the gang of Amazons? Oh, One of the people yeah. involved was worked for the police department and was telling his cohorts where the police were focusing their the search, yeah, on. and their yeah. and, and their stops and things like that. Going, comrade, you do not want to go over here, you know, type of a bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm digging. Um, hang on, just a minute. Um, now. According to now, Radford University actually they actually have what they call the Serial Killer Information Center, and you can see their their forms on. It's like every time somebody's convicted of serial killer, they go through and like put up a dossier about them, the person, right? Without even talking to them, they just go through you know what they can find online or whatever and fill out this form. It's like, okay, did this person you know abuse animals or whatever, right? Now the founder of that. The Serial Inf- Killer Information Center, Mike Amit, says that truckers are well positioned to actually evade detection. The more locations you're operating in, the more difficult it is for law enforcement to see a link with the crimes. So that was the case with Robert Rhodes. Police assumed he went decades without getting caught, killing possibly more than 50 victims. So what happened for the man to finally get caught, you ask? Well... Let's find out, right? On February 5th, 1990, in Houston, Texas, an 18-year-old girl by the name of Shanna was on the road trying to flag someone down, anybody who could help her. When when someone finally stopped and let her in their car, they noticed that she was bruised and beaten. She was only partially clothed, and she had a collar with a leash around her neck. She could barely catch her breath to tell them what had happened to her. Apparently, and then the driver took her to the nearest payphone and she called the police. When the Houston PD arrived, she finally told her story. And this is how it went. 
a week before she was in California when she was hitchhiking and got a ride from a long-haul truck driver. He said he was going east and he would take her with him. So she climbed aboard and they took off. After a few hours of riding, she got sleepy and he told her she could go to sleep in the back of his truck. And that's when her nightmare began. Chris he- Cornell. I'm, I'm sorry. I, big, big circles. Remember we were talking about Brian? Yeah. With his long hair, he looks like Chris Cornell. Oh, and not okay. From, not from Allison Chains, but from Soundgarden. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm sorry to throw that in there and interrupt the show, but... I was like, what are you talking about? My brain doesn't work right. It was like, right. all of a sudden. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, apparently, when she crawled in the back to go to sleep, he pulled over and climbed in back with her. He overpowered her and then chained her down. While in his... I, guess you could say custody but i would put it more like possession well he she was in his possession over several days he raped her and tortured her he pierced her body with pins and fish hooks and when they finally arrived in houston he took her to his apartment where he chained her to the bed and continued to rape and torture her he even took a razor and sliced off all of her hair now After a few hours, he loaded her back into the truck and took him with her on his route. When he made one of his stops, and while he was inside, she actually managed to break free, and that is why she's alive to tell her story today. The Houston police acted quickly. They started stopping truckers and asking them questions at certain stops, right? They asked Shanna if she could identify him, but unfortunately, she said she couldn't. She was too scared. And the man who did this to her got away with it and continued with his monstrous deeds. It was right after her escape on the same day, February 5th, that the man responsible picked up another couple hitchhiking in Pasadena, Texas. The boy, Rob Ricky and Regina Walters. Now, we know their story, obviously. Now. Now what? Oh, I sorry. I lost my place. I'm sorry. I oh. Like, I was like, where was I? I thought it was me. Now, we do, like I said, we know their story, but check this out. They're sure he did this to at least one other couple. A <laughs> girl by the name of Patricia Candace Walsh and her husband, Douglas Zakowski. In, 19, in January of 1990, the couple was hitchhiking when he, they were picked up by a truck driver while on a journey, and he immediately killed Douglas, tossed him out in Sutton County, Texas, where his body was later found, unide- but he wasn't identified until 1992. And just like Regina, he kept Walsh for over a week. During this time, he tortured and raped her before he killed her and dumped her body in Utah. God damn. But this is how we got caught. On Early in the morning on April 1st, 1990, Ben Rose's truck broke down and he pulled to the side of the road to fix it. An Arizona state trooper by the name of Mike Miller showed up to help and he was and he walked up to the cab as he walked up to the cab, he heard somebody screaming inside. When he investigated inside this cab, he discovered a naked woman who was later identified as Kathleen Vine, handcuffed and beaten severely. There was also a male who identified himself as the driver of the truck, Robert Ben Rhodes. After failing to talk his way out of the situation... He was arrested and charged with aggravated assault, sexual assault, and unlawful imprisonment. 
After he was investigated further, the arresting detective was able to make a connection to the Houston case and notice the pattern stretching over the course of at least five months. Now, they issued a search warrant for Rhodes' home where police found photos of new teenagers who was who of the new teenager who was later identified as Regina, whose body was found in September of 1990. Also were photos of Walsh, whose body was discovered in October. Robert was finally caught. Some research into him, and he had severe sadistic, you know, ways. After he graduated from high school in 1964, he joined the Marine Corps. During that year, his father was arrested for molesting a 12-year-old girl and committed suicide while he was awaiting trial. A few years after that, Robert was dishonorably discharged for his involvement in a robbery. After his discharge from the Marines, he attempted to join a law enforcement agency, but they rejected him. Then through the 70s and 80s, he married three times and worked various jobs before he finally became a long-haul trucker. If I can't wait till you see his picture. During the 80s, he developed an interest in BDSM, which I'm going to say for the record is not a bad thing with two consensual adults. I agree. I agree. Do you have the uh, window spray over there? Uh, Can. No. Blue top. Oh, yes. I'm over here doing a little bit of maintenance on my side. I was like, what are you talking about? Okay. So anyways, um, he, like I said, he developed an interest in the BDSM scene, which is not a bad thing with consenting adults. However, it can be a bad thing when one partner is not willing. Well, the thing is, is every time they bring this up with BDSM, they always look at people like myself that enjoy it as we are the deviants and we're all going to be out there raping and killing. Right. And because that's not they the all case. associate everybody with BDSM to people like uh, Dennis Rader and Ben Rhodes. Right. And, you it's, know. It's, it's not like that, y'all. No. Uh, it's, it's between, here's what Tammy said, consenting adults. adults. Yes. Um, most of us who are into these different kinds of kinks, and I've got my own fair share, we're not out there going, hey, this is what I'm into and I'm going to force it upon somebody. No. At all. At fucking all. As a matter of fact, people who claim that they're into BDSM but want to actually torture people unwillingly, that's yeah. not real BDSM. No. That's, that's dark web. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah. That's not BDSM. BDSM is consensual adults. Mm-hmm. That's why you have things like a safe word when things get out of hand. Um, you know, that's why you have uh, precautions. And the whole job of the dominant in that situation, protect your submissive. Protect, not hurt. You know, not, okay, not non-consensually hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no broken bones, that type of thing. Um, So it just, media brings it up and then all of a sudden we become the freaks. Yeah. People like me who who, who are into just different, different weird shit. I'm a weird motherfucker. I, I can't help. I'm just, I'm, I'm strange. Yeah. But I'm not out there wanting to force it upon anybody that's not consenting. Yeah. It's fucking, that's, that's, there's a difference between BDSM and just being fucking sick. It's true. It's true. Now, um, they even have pictures of him in like his BDSM gear and he's like wearing the collar with the thing and it's got like this V like leather holster, like harness or whatever across him and yep i've seen those yeah which 
And by all, you know what? Do what you want to do in the privacy of your own bedroom. But don't force it upon somebody. Yeah, and that, that's by and large, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. You don't yeah, force exactly. Shit. Now, um, after he was picked up for this, it came out that he, you know, had killed these other people, right? So, um, in 1994, he was convicted of first-degree murder of Regina Walters and sentenced to life without parole at the Menard Correctional Center in Illinois. Then he was extradited to Utah in 05 and tried for the deaths of Candace Walsh and her husband, Douglas Zakowski. However, in accordance with the victim's family's request, the charges were dropped in 2006. So they would not be required to testify more than once for both states. And he was returned to prison. Now, Rhodes later was extradited to Texas for the murder of Walters and Jones, where Rhodes, in exchange for dropping the death penalty, pled guilty to their deaths and received a second life sentence. He is continuing to serve his life without parole sentence in the maximum security penitentiary in Illinois. So, I just think, I mean, the sad part is, and I never thought I would say this, but from what I found on this guy... He puts David Parker Ray to shame. It sounds like it, man. Criminy. Yeah, he had a rolling torture chamber and a plethora, I mean, uh, to pick from, you know? Because that was the height of the hitchhiking era. Right, exactly. And nobody thought twice before they walked out onto the highway and stuck out their thumb. You know? I mean, my sister used to hitchhike everywhere. So, it's just, it's really kind of sad. And... He's still alive. He's 77 years old. Holy shit. The sad part is, and I hate to say this, but he's originally from Idiots Out Walking Around, too. <laughs> he was Get born in Council Bluffs. <laughs> I, told, I told that to our friend, our new friend. I said, yeah, I have a family dysfunction. I got roped into going to, in, in you know, Idiots Out Walking Around, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. No, I just, I think it's horrible. And the sad part is, is nobody really knows how many victims he has. Well, that's true. And you, you know he's not going to come forth and say, hey, oh, I've got no. 60 victims Why or whatever. Why would he? Why would he? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they know of four, but he's, they believe he is responsible for a min- at least 50, if not way more. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. From 1975 to 1990, he worked as a truck driver. So what Christmas. does that tell you? That's he's a sick bastard. years of hell these people went through yeah exactly all right yeah. boys and girls remember you can send us an email at brutal nation at twisted blue llc.com check us out on medium crime beat on medium and wherever you get your blogs log on to facebook and join citizens of brutal nation join in the chat we try to post a different question every day if we miss it sorry just start your own fuck it ask yeah, us a start question. your own question we've had people do that yeah that's always fun too uh, what else? Uh, if you want any swag before we switch over to the new uh, swag provider, log on to Etsy. Look at TB Enterprises Shop or Store. Is it Store or Shop? Store. TB Enterprises Store brings up all of our gear for the band, for Sasquatches, for Brutal Nation, Serial Killers, you name it. It's on there. <laughs> Uh, this show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. And we will talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.